take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 19. And we're going to be reading from there in just a few moments. But we have a number of other scriptures that we're going to be looking at. This past week, much of the world, whether people realize it or not, much of the world came to a standstill, particularly the United States. And they are not even sure why. Much of the world, much of the country came to literally to a stop. You do realize that local, city, state, and federal government offices closed their doors, as did the post office, libraries, museums, banks and financial institutions, public transportation, such as buses and subways, operated on a reduced schedule. Educational systems, such as colleges and universities, schedule time off. Local school districts take at least a whole week off. Your local dentist and doctor's office, the gym, the car dealership, garages, trash collection agencies, and stores all shut their doors. You can find a few Chinese restaurants and movie theaters And a couple of convenience stores that are open. Things that are essential, right? Things that are essential are open. But much of the world that we know comes to a standstill because of Jesus' birth. His birth affects Muslims and Jews, Hindus and atheists, whether they want to acknowledge him or not. Much of the world comes to a standstill. Even our calendar, the way we measure time, was impacted by the birth of Jesus Christ. The words that the angel spoke to Mary were true in Luke chapter 1. He said, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus, and he will be great. If you have your Bible, underline that. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. The incarnation, the word becoming flesh, has had a profound and far-reaching impact upon the world. But you and I cannot even comprehend the depth and the vastness of its impact. In fact, there are implications that have yet to be revealed. But according to the gospel of Mark, one day you will see him coming in the clouds with great power and glory. One day you will see that that day in Bethlehem, a savior was born. A king was born. And he was not just the king of the Jews. He was not just for that small little community. He was the king of kings and lord of lords who was laying in a manger. What an amazing thing. It was the magi who came from the east because they had seen a star. And they came to Jerusalem. And Matthew 2 2 says that they ask, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We have seen his star when it rose and have come to worship him. What were they called? What do we call them? The three what? Wise men. We call them the three wise men. And what did those wise men do? First, they recognized that he was a king. 
They heard the promptings of God. God prompted that on their heart. God spoke to their heart. God revealed that to him. And when God reveals things, wise men pay attention. When God reveals things, people who have wise and understanding hearts get up and do something when God speaks. And that's just what they did. They started on a journey that they might find him. I'm speaking to some wise people today. Because somehow the Holy Spirit in some way awokened your spirit at some time. Aren't you glad for that? That somehow in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our chasing after the things of this world to satisfy us, somehow, some way, God spoke to our spirits. Friend, he still speaks today. And don't worry because he's speaking to your neighbor He's speaking to that lost son, daughter of yours. He's speaking to your cousin. The Holy Spirit is busy speaking to our families and speaking to those who are far from God. Some of you worry about that. Friend, listen, be at ease. Just rest in the fact that the Holy Spirit is on the job. He's at work. Have faith that God is working, that he's calling people. And he calls them individually and he calls them one by one. But when these wise men heard, when they discerned what had happened, they got up and they moved and they went to seek him. Their purpose of their journey was that they might find him. And when they find him, that they may worship him, that they may offer to him something that was of value. They said, when we saw his star, when it rose, and we have come to worship. The scripture tells us that on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures. They opened their treasures. Everybody say treasures. They opened their treasures. They didn't just give him anything. They came prepared. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold frankincense, and myrrh. Please notice this. It was revealed to them that a king had been born. They began a journey to find this king. When they found him, notice, I want you to notice, they humbled themselves and worshiped him. Prideful people, proud people, aren't good worshipers. Proud people, everything's about them. God opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble. So I'm going to tell you, you know, there's sometimes when we start to have pride come up in our hearts and it's not like I'm better than somebody else, but sometimes it just rises up in a variety of different ways. Pride has a number of different faces. It has a number of different ways in which it reveals itself. But God opposes the proud. And when you start to see pride coming up in your heart and you start to recognize that you need to put a stop to that. Because to truly be a worshiper, You have to be humble in heart. To truly be a follower of Jesus, you have to have humility. And what they did is these wise men, obviously they would have been men of importance in the world that people would have uh, looked up to them. What did they do? They bowed and they worshiped him. They gave him gifts. We see here, they opened their treasures and gave to him as an act of worship. And here I see a pattern of worship, a pattern of wisdom. For wise men, even today, that involves seeking 
once they have that revelation, once they have that understanding that a king has been born, I see this pattern of seeking him out, pursuing him. I see a pattern of humility, of humbling oneself, a pattern of worship, and a pattern of giving things that you treasure to the Lord as an act of worship. Now let's fast forward 33 years. When another group of people begin to recognize Jesus as king, the scripture is so amazing. The prophecies that we read throughout the Old Testament. The prophet Zechariah wrote about this king. He wrote about it about 550 years before, in 520 BC. Prophetically, he said, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on the colt, the foal of a donkey. And I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem and the battle bow will be broken and he will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. That's a pretty far reign. This is what we call Christ's triumph entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday was the fulfillment of that prophecy. The people are recognizing that a king is in their midst. Luke 19 records it. And it says, after Jesus had said this, He went on ahead going up to Jerusalem, and as he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it to me. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. We could do a whole message on that one. May I suggest to you that the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he has told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying it? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their coats on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives... The whole crowd began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Notice what it says. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Verse 40, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Wow. There's a couple phrases we're going to focus on. That phrase of praise sounds very familiar to what the shepherds witnessed that night in the fields outside of Bethlehem. When an angel announced the birth of a savior, when an angel announced the birth of a king. The Bible tells us that suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angels praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those to whom his favor rests. 
But I want you to notice how the religious leaders of the day responded to the people's response to Jesus. One of the things that the Pharisees would be known for would be their pride. They would be known for that, their confidence in themselves. What did they try to do? They tried to get Jesus to shut up his followers. They said, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Can I tell you that just as there have been angels and heavenly hosts and wise men who have been worshiping and praising the king throughout history, sometimes whenever we worship, I remember the first time I raised my hands. You know, I remember seeing my parents raise their hands. I remember as a kid later, I remember when I raised my hands and it was like, ooh, you could feel it. I don't want to be weird, but you can feel electricity almost going through your body as you raised your hands to worship. I remember that. You know, there's sometimes whenever I bow, you know, in my own private time, I'll kneel down to, you know, there's sometimes when you just kneel down because you're kneeling down like to to clean something. That's not, but when you kneel down as an act of worship, you can feel the presence of God. Or maybe sometimes as you lift your voice loud, maybe in the car where everyone's not around. You don't necessarily scream at the top of your lungs all the time, but you lift your voice and you raise your voice. And whenever you raise your voice in praise to God, it's like something fills your heart. There's been times where I've turned off the lights in here because I didn't want anybody to see it. I made sure the doors were closed. All the doors are locked, not just closed, I mean locked. And I turn on praise and worship music and I'd make sure those doors are closed and I'd look in the parking lot and make sure no one was there. I have to begin to dance before the Lord. I'm telling you that joy begins to fill your heart. The burdens that are on your back are lifted. The fears and the anxieties are taken away and joy fills your heart. It's crazy that as I give him praise, he gives me power. It's an amazing thing that takes place in our lives is when we give him what is due him, he gives us what rightfully belongs to us. It's so crazy. I'm dancing around and I'm just saying, you know, you're thinking like if anyone would see me, they'd think it's crazy, but it was my worship to God. Praise is fitting for a king. It's appropriate. It's completely appropriate that you and I give him the worship and the praise that he deserves. The heavenly host, they declared it. I started on that to say, sometimes we think we found something new. Wow, pastor, when I lift my hands... I feel the Holy Spirit. Those of you who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and you start to pray in your heavenly language, you start to pray in tongues, and you start, and the more you pray in the Spirit, the Bible says that when we pray in the Spirit, we edify ourselves. We build ourselves up. So you're in there, and you're not necessarily completely positive of what you're praying, but the Spirit groans through you, and the Spirit prays through you. And as the Holy Spirit prays through you, your spirit is edified and built up. You are blessed as you do that. Sometimes we think we've caught something new. Wow, I found some new thing. Throughout the centuries, the angels have been worshiping, declaring his praises. Throughout the centuries, men and women have been dancing before the Lord and rejoicing before him and lifting holy hands to him and bowing in worship and clapping your hands, all ye people, shouting to God with the voice of triumph. Those are all biblical responses that rightfully belong to a king. 
Just as there's always been, from as far back as we would know, there's been worship and giving gifts unto the Lord. It's crazy that I can give to God and end up having more than what I started with. How does that possibly work? How does that work? It's crazy. How can I give and end up with more? It doesn't make sense. And how can I feel so good about giving away money? How does that work? How can I feel so good about helping somebody else? But the Bible tells us it's true. It's more blessed to give than to receive. But it says when you give, it'll be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, shall men give unto your bosom. So there's something about when we give, it's an act of worship to the Lord. Just as there's always been worshipers, there's always been angels who have been worshiping. I want you to hear the Satan and his demonic forces and evil men and women controlled by the spirit of Antichrist, have been trying to get the people of God to shut up. For a long time, someone or something has been trying to shut you up. For some of you, he has succeeded in keeping you quiet. For some of you, the enemy has succeeded in taking away your voice. He's succeeded in taking away your praise, of quieting you down, of putting you back in your rightful place, is what he would say. Don't get too excited. Don't get too happy. Don't get too glad. Don't embarrass yourself. I declare to you today in the name of Jesus that that stops now, that you are getting your praise back. If there is anything, if there's anything in the world, that rocks Satan's world. It's when the redeemed of the Lord say so. The Bible says that they overcame the accuser by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Your testimony may be a shout of praise. Your testimony may be you witnessing and speaking out of it. It's when the people of God recognize that the king, the Messiah, Their redeemer is in their midst. That's when hell begins to tremble. When you start to proclaim like the prophet Zephaniah, the Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty and he will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. There are people in this house who are getting their praise back even as I preach because they recognize that there is a healer in the house. There is a deliverer in the house. There is a provider in the house. There is a sanctifier in the house. The one who baptizes with the Holy Ghost and fire is in this place today. The Prince of Peace is here with us and his name is Jesus and he has come to save and rescue his people from their sins. The Bible tells us that the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in a loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Jesus's response to the Pharisees that day was, if they keep quiet, the very rocks will cry out. Let me ask you, what other response is appropriate? What other response is fitting other than joyful praise and worship for the people of God? It does not make sense. 
that people who have been redeemed, who've been forgiven, who've been healed, who've been set free, people who have a glorious future, people who have a king who has come to rescue them, it doesn't make any sense for them not to have a song of praise and of worship on their heart. If they don't have any other thing, then the enemy has succeeded in lying to them. Hey, just keep it quiet. Keep it down. Don't embarrass yourself. Or he's caused them to doubt the goodness and the mercy of God. My Bible says, surely goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. Friend, you know what? When you're in Jesus Christ, you don't have to look for the blessings. The blessings find you. You just follow him. You follow him and goodness and mercy will follow you according to the word of God all the days of your life. There's a different side to people. Sometimes in the world that we live in, people have not seen the fruition of the promises. Do you know what I'm saying? He's a provider, but I still have my need. He's a healer. I'm still struggling a little bit, Pastor. I believe. I believe, but I'm still I'm in that place. I'm in that in-between time. You know, the glorious thing is there's a time coming. Think of Jesus as gentle and riding in on a donkey. You know what I mean? It's a small donkey. He's not even riding a big donkey. You know what I mean? Have you ever seen a donkey? Like people, it's like the people, no offense to anybody, but you ever see like the people from like South America when they're riding a donkey up a hill? It's not majestic, is it? The donkey's kind of doing what it wants to do. The donkey's about this tall. And that doesn't seem real majestic, does it? Oh, wow. He's humble and he's lowly of heart. There's another side to him that is going to come. And it's hard in this life whenever we see, we hear the enemy's threats. We hear his accusations. We see the struggles that people go through. We see the difficulties that they go through. But our hope is not just in this life. If that was all that there was, if that's all that there was, I'd still serve the Lord because it's a good life to serve him. And he's, he's faithful. But he gives me a promise that I'm going to rule and reign with him. He gives me a promise that throughout eternity, that the very streets will be made of pure gold. The streets, the very streets are going to be made of gold. What we have to understand is that even if I die, if you die today, it's your best day here on earth. Your best day. I mean, when the kids loved you, when your wife thought you were wonderful, when your husband did all the things you wanted him to do, whenever you scored the touchdown, whenever you made the biggest sale you ever made, whenever you closed on your property, whenever you're able to bless your kids and do great things, whatever the best day of your life was, will in no way ever come close to comparing to the glory that God has in store for you. And one day when you hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful and little. Enter into your master's happiness. Share your master's pleasure. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of men the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But there's a day in which the word says, and Revelation says, and I saw heaven standing open 
I love this verse. I've read it to you about a thousand times. And there before me was a white horse. Not a white donkey. Not a miniature pony. A white horse. And its rider is called Faithful and True. With righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes like blazing fire. And many royal crowns on his head. Not one big crown. Many royal crowns upon his head. He has a name written on him that only he himself knows. He's dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven. You know who that is? That's going to be you and me. Dressed in fine linen, white and pure. Follow him on white horses. And from his mouth proceeds a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with an iron scepter. And he treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty. And he has the name written on his robe and on his thigh. King of kings and Lord of lords. Friend, today we serve a God who is worthy to be praised. It is fitting. It is fitting for you in your most difficult day. When all of life has fallen apart for you, it's fitting for you to bow and worship. On the day whenever you've had your greatest success, when you get the highest accolades that you could possibly ever get, I mean, when you've reached your pinnacle, it's fitting for you to bow and worship Him. In the mundane, in the ordinary, whenever it's hard, and when you're in the midst of the trial, and you're in the midst of going, and just walking, walking, it is fitting for you to bow and worship Him. Because the Word says, if Jesus said, if these people don't, the very rocks, the very rocks will cry out praises to me. See what it comes down to, friends. Wise men recognize who he is. Wise men seek him out. They drop everything to pursue him. And when they find him, they bow and they worship. No room for pride. No room for stubbornness. No room for arrogance in their lives. They humble themselves before the king. Father, today I pray in the name of Jesus that as the people of God recognize who you are and as they choose to worship you, it makes no sense for us not to worship because if we don't worship you, very rocks will cry out your praise. I pray that as they worship you and as they seek to know you and as they seek to glorify your name, I pray that everything that they have need of be released into their lives. I pray for those who are struggling with anxieties and fears. I pray that those anxieties and fears disappear in the presence of God. I pray for those who are troubled in their minds. They're tormented in their minds with doubt and unbelief and confusion. I pray that in the presence of God, they have such clarity I pray, Father, for those who are sick in their body. 
I pray that they would find that as they go into that prayer closet or that place to worship, that as they worship you, that healing comes in their bodies, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that this congregation, that we would be known, that we would be known as worshipers, that we wouldn't let anybody steal my voice. I wouldn't let anybody shut me up. That whenever we hear that, whenever that thought comes to our mind, I pray that we would determine in our hearts that I'm going to praise Him even more and more and more. No rock's going to take my place. No demon is going to shut me up. No force of hell is going to overcome me in the name of Jesus. Because I'm determined to be a worshiper. Because I recognize who he is. He's my king. He's my savior. He's my deliverer. And he's coming back for me one day. And I'm going to rule and reign with him throughout eternity. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah.